Lesson number 156, Surah Maryam, chapter Maryam, ayah number 1 to 40, verse 1 to 40. Surah Maryam is a Makki surah. It has about a hundred verses. And this surah, this chapter was revealed, it was given to the Prophet wasallam, and in the beginning of his prophethood. We see in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, that as his message spread, and people were believing in him, primarily what they believed in was one God. The call of the Prophet ﷺ was, O people, believe in one God. La ilaha illallah. There is no God worthy of worship but Allah. The one who has made you, you worship only Him. The one who has given you everything you have, you give all of what you have to Him. Now this seems very logical. However, in that society, it was the most illogical thing to say. Because that society, those people, they were deep in idolatry. What they believed in was multiple gods. That is what they served. So here comes a man who says, these gods that you have made with your own hands are not really gods. Your God is the one who made you. So there were many people who accepted the message of the Prophet ﷺ openly. Why? Because they found it logical. But at the same time, there were also many people who not only rejected the message, but they also became hostile towards those who followed Muhammad ﷺ. And this hostility turned into severe persecution. We learn about people who were literally killed, brutally killed. Mother killed in front of the son. Literally people killed, families assassinated in front of each other. Why? For their crime that they believed in one God. And many of these people who were being persecuted, these Muslims, they came from a very, you can say, socially weak background. They didn't really have much social status in that society. So the Prophet ﷺ advised them to leave Mecca, their home city, and go to Abyssinia. Abyssinia was the land of the Christians. The people who lived there were Christians, those who believed in Jesus in Isa alayhi salam. And the Prophet ﷺ was aware that the Christian king who ruled them was a very generous man, a very kind man, and he was hopeful that he would accommodate the Muslims in his country. So a group of few Muslims, they migrated to Abyssinia. And when they migrated over there, obviously their enemies back at home weren't happy. So they went after them. They went after them and they complained to the Christian king that these people who've come to your country, you know what they say about Jesus? They say that he's not the son of God. And they said some other negative things about the Muslims. And the main intention was that the Muslims should be expelled from Abyssinia and sent back to Mecca. So the king, the Abyssinian king, he asked the Muslims, tell me what your prophet says. A very just man. He asked the Muslims, what is it that you believe in? And he also asked them what scripture it was that they were following. So one of the Muslims who was present over there, Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, 
he recited the first few verses of Surah Maryam. And this shows to us that this surah was revealed when? Before the Muslims migrated to Abyssinia. So it means that the surah was revealed in the fifth or maybe fourth or before that, fourth, fifth, fourth year of prophethood. And this surah was given as a gift to the Muslims who were migrating to the land of the Christians. Why? Because it educated them about the religion of the Christians. What is it that those people believed in? So this surah served as a provision, as you know, a very informative knowledge that Muslims needed at that time. Because when you're going to a new place, when you're interacting with new people, you have to know what they believe in. This awareness helps people communicate better with each other. So this surah was like a gift for the Muslims who went to Abyssinia. So let's look at the surah. What does it say? Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Kaf ha ya ain sad. These letters, what are they? Huruf muqatta'at. In other words, they are disjointed letters. In Arabic, the way words are written is that the letters are connected. They're connected with each other. And that means you have to read them in that way as well. However, these huruf that you see in the first verse, these letters, kaf, ha, ya, ayn, sad, you don't read them as tahayyas. No. You say each letter independently, separately. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he read these letters, he read them with elongation, meaning he elongated their pronunciation. He didn't say kaf, he said kaf. Not just ha, ha. Not just ya, ya. Ayn, sad. Now, these letters appear at the beginning of some chapters of the Qur'an. What are these letters? What do they mean? These letters are from the Arabic alphabet. And the Arabic alphabet, alif, ba, ta, tha, in and of themselves, they don't have a meaning. They don't mean something. They're just letters. But remember that these letters over here, they do serve a purpose. We don't know about their meaning. Allah knows best what these letters mean, if they have a meaning and what they mean. But these letters serve a purpose. And what is that purpose? That first of all, when you hear these letters, what happens? Instantly, you wonder, what is she saying? Right? What is he saying? What does that mean? It draws your attention. If anything, it arouses curiosity. Right? You know, for example, acronyms. If there is an acronym that you are reading for the first time ever, instantly what will happen? You'll wonder, what does it mean? And you'll Google it. Right? Or you'll ask somebody, what does this mean? And many times you'll find your parents asking you, or you know, some older relatives or people asking you, what are those letters that you wrote? What does that even mean? But it arouses curiosity in you. Letters. So the Qur'an, the style of the Qur'an is such that it really draws the attention of the listener. Listen. Pay attention over here. What is being said? Also, كَافْ هَا يَا These letters, 
What do they tell us? If you think about it, these are only five letters, right? Kaf, Ha, Ya, Ayn, Sal. What do they mean? You can guess their meaning. You can suggest that they have a meaning. But do you know for sure that they have a meaning? No. So these letters are sort of reminding us that no matter how much we know, we still don't know everything. No matter how much we know, there's always a little something that we do not know about. Because sometimes it happens that when someone is addressing you, and you don't really like that person, you think, yeah, whatever they're going to say, I already know about it. What is she going to tell me? What is he going to tell me? I already know. And this kind of pride, it prevents us from learning. So these letters, instantly, what do they do? They make us humble. They make us realize, yes, I still don't know everything. Yes, I can still learn something new. I can gain something new. So, kaf, ha, ya, ayn, sad. Pay attention and seek to learn something new. Dhikru. This is a mention. Rahmati rabbik. Of the mercy of your Lord. Abdahu to his servant. Zakariya. Zakariya alayhi salam. Meaning what is going to be mentioned over here is the mercy of your Lord towards his servant. Which servant? Prophet Zakariya alayhi salam. That is the story that is going to be related over here. I want you to notice something. Dhikru rahmati rabbika. Your Lord. His mercy towards who? Abdahu, his servant. Now when you hear the words Rabbika, your Lord, what comes to your mind? That yes, he is my Lord, I am his servant. But then when it is said, Abdahu, his servant, what does that remind us of? That I am not his only servant. Primarily, the Prophet ﷺ is addressed in this ayah, in this verse. But indirectly, we are all being taught that yes, Muhammad ﷺ is a servant of Allah. Zakariya is also a servant of Allah. Ibrahim was also a servant of Allah. Musa was also a servant of Allah. Isa was also a servant of Allah. In fact, all of mankind, and not just mankind, the entire creation, who are we? We are all God's servants. Because we are all His creation. He alone is the creator, the master, and we are His servants. So, ذِكْرُ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّكَ عَبَدَهُ Zakariya. Zakariya from the prophets of Bani Israel, of the Israelites. And you could say that he was one of the last prophets to be sent to the Bani Israel. And it is said that he was of the descendants of Sulaiman And as a prophet, he was also a religious leader. He was a caretaker of the Baytul Maqdis or the Holy Temple. And he was also the guardian of Maryam, of Mary. Because remember that Maryam, when her mother was pregnant with her, 
Her mother made a vow, she made a promise with Allah that whatever I'm going to give birth to, I'm going to dedicate this child to your service. And we read about the story in Surah Ali Imran, in the third chapter of the Qur'an. And when Maryam, when her mother took her to the holy temple, over there, Zakariyah was appointed as the guardian of Maryam. He was her teacher, he was the one who would look after her, and he would also, spiritually you could say, guide her. So, Zakariya over here what is mentioned, ذِكْرُ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّكَ عَبْدَهُ Zakariya. If you think about it, everyone is a servant to Allah. Isn't it so? That's what we just discussed. Everyone is Allah's servant. But Allah calls Zakariya His servant. His servant. Why? Because Zakariya truly showed his servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, for example, a mother, a woman has a daughter. It's clear, of course, she is the mother of that girl. Right? But when is it that the mother will very proudly say, My daughter, my daughter, my son. When will she say that? When the daughter has disobeyed her? When the daughter has embarrassed her in public? When she's called to school because the counselor has or the principal has a complaint about the daughter? Is that when the mother will proudly say, yes, my daughter? When will she say that? When she is? When she's achieved something, when her daughter has achieved something, when she's happy with what her daughter has done. So, ذِكْرُ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّكَ عَبْدَهُ زَكَرِيَّ Allah called Zakariya his servant because what is going to be mentioned over here about Zakariya is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was truly pleased with. It is something that truly showed that Zakariya lived as a servant to Allah. He showed his servitude to Allah. So what is that mercy that Allah bestowed on his servant Zakariya? Ibnada Rabbahu. Ibnada, when he called out. Who called out? Zakariya called out. To who? Rabbahu, to his Lord. How did he call out to his Lord? Nida'an, a call that was khafiya. That was hidden. That was very quiet. That was done in private, secretly. Look at the word nada. Zakariya alayhi salam nada rabbahu. Nada is from the word nida. In the Arabic language, the word nida means to call out to someone, to yell out, to cry out. Now when you're calling out to someone, how is your volume? Is it very low or is it very high? How is it? Low or high? High. You know, for example, the adhan. The call to prayer. Even that is called a nida. Why? Because the adhan is not made softly. How is it made? Have you ever seen a, you know, a video or something of people who are making the adhan? They're literally shouting at the top of their voice. So much so that they have to hold their ears. Right? So nida is to call out loud to someone. To cry out to someone. But Allah describes that cry as nida'an khafiya. Khafi? From Khafaya, that which is hidden. So a call that was hidden, meaning a call that was very quiet, seems like a contradiction. 
but it's not a contradiction. Because what is meant by this crying out is a cry that was not loud in volume, but a cry that was very loud in voice. You understand the difference? A call that was not loud in volume, but a call that was very passionate. A call that was made with a lot of hope, with a lot of yearning, with heart. He meant it. نَادَ رَبَّهُ نِدَاءً You see, when we make dua, when we're talking to our Lord, when we're begging Him for something, we could make that prayer loudly or softly. We could make that prayer in such a way that people around us can hear and the people next door can also hear. But we can also make that so soft that the person standing next to us has no idea what we are crying about, what we are hoping for. Both types of prayers mean Allah will hear because He hears all. He is a Samir. Samir al-Dua, the one who hears, the one who hears the call of his servant. But remember that when a person calls out from his heart very passionately, with his heart, with all his heart, he means what he's asking for, he really means his prayer, then even if he has uttered no words, that prayer will be responded to. Sometimes our focus is entirely on our words, what we are saying, what people are hearing. But before the mouth speaks, the heart should cry. Before we make our prayers audible, it is our heart that needs to be awake, that needs to yearn and desperately desire for what we want. And this kind of prayer, there is no way that Allah would ignore it. There is no way that Allah would not respond to such a prayer. A prayer that a servant is making you know, with all his heart, passionately. Think about Prophet Yunus, Jonah. When he was in the belly of the fish. And where was he? In the depths of the water. How far below he was. But he cried out to his Lord. And his Lord heard him. Why? Was it because his prayer was so loud that it could be heard across, you know, over the sea and across over the skies? No. Not in volume, but in voice. He meant it. And Allah responded to his prayer. Zakariya also made a dua like that. In the Quran we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ud'u rabbakum تَضَرُّعًا وَخُفِيَةً إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُعْتَدِينَ Call upon your Lord in humility and privately. Indeed, He does not like transgressors. Which shows to us that the kind of prayer Allah likes is which one? The one that is made? Privately. The one that is made with humility. The one that is made with all your heart. That is the dua that Allah likes. And this is the kind of dua that is generally preferred. Which is why one of the best times to make your prayer is when? 
When you are in prostration. When you've put your head on the ground and you're prostrating to the Lord of the worlds and no one around you can hear what you're saying. It's a private conversation between you and Allah. Now tell me something. Is there any benefit in making dua like that? Softly, quietly, with all your heart or just in your heart? Is there any benefit? What's the benefit? I want you to raise your hand if you have an answer. What's the benefit of making dua softly as opposed to loudly, publicly? No benefit? Yes. Exactly. It's between you and Allah. It's between you and your Lord. Not between you and the rest of the world. Because you see, sometimes what happens is that you're making dua and if other people are hearing you, you're like, I might sound very foolish to be praying for this. I might sound very dumb. You know, if I'm making this kind of dua, others will laugh at me. You know, it lets you be who you are. When you're making dua privately in your heart, then what happens is that you can be yourself. You can cry, you can whine, you can beg, you can say something over and over again. You can make dua however you want. Also, another benefit is that it saves you from showing off. It protects you from showing off. You know, it ensures sincerity. So, إِذْ نَادَ رَبَّهُ نِدَاءً خَفِيًّا Once on a journey, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they were going up and down, so it seems like it was a very rocky terrain or something like that. So as they were going up, they would say, Allahu Akbar, out loud. And as they would go down, they'd say, SubhanAllah, out loud. So they were doing dhikr very loudly. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Oh people, be easy with yourselves. Meaning you don't have to shout out. Keep your voices low. Be easy with yourselves. For you are not calling on the one who is deaf or absent. Your Lord is not deaf. Your Lord is not absent. Rather, you are calling upon the one who is all hearing and ever near. He is close to you. The one whom you are calling is closer to one of you than the neck of his animal. You know when a person is riding an animal, how close is the neck of that animal to him? It's like the closest thing. The Prophet ﷺ said that Allah is even closer to you than that. So you don't need to yell out, you don't need to shout out your prayers. Just mean them. Sincerely, genuinely beg Allah. And Allah will hear, Allah will respond. So what was the dua of Zakariya ﷺ? Qala, he said, Rabbi, O my Lord, inni, indeed I, wahana al-awmu minni, wahana, it has become weak, it has become feeble. Al-awmu, the bones, which bones minni of me, meaning my bones have become very weak. The word wahana, from wahan wawhanun, is used for when something solid has become worn out over time. You know, when something solid and very firm, what happens to it over time? It becomes worn out. It becomes weak. You know, for instance, a piece of furniture, solid wood, what happens to it over time? 10 years, 15 years, what happens? It's rickety. 
Right? It needs to be fixed. So our bodies also, what happens to them over time? They become weak and feeble. But in particular, Zakariya says, that my bones have become weak. Now think about it. If the bones are weak, then what about the rest of the body? What is it that keeps your body together? It's your bones. You know, which is why some people, you know, as they age and they're told about arthritis, what does that mean? It's a big warning sign. Right? If you have problems in your bones, then you have reached old age. Right? Your body has begun to decline. It's now losing its strength. So you better look after it. You better maintain it. So he says, إِنِّي وَحَنَ الْعَظْمُ مِنِّي وَاشْتَعْلَ الرَّأْسُ شَيْبَ And you know when you feel like your bones are weak, then what does that mean? You have no physical strength. وَاشْتَعْلَ And it has flared up. الرَّأْسُ The head, meaning my head. شَيْبَ With whiteness. My head is flared up with white. Notice the word ishtara from Sheen Ain Lam. This word is used when flames of fire, they're spreading. So basically when fire is spreading. So he says, my head is on fire. On fire with what? With white hair. In other words, white hair is just spreading across my head. My hair is turning white at a very fast speed. In other words, I am becoming... Old. Shayb from the root letter Shiniaba is used for the whiteness of hair. When hair turns white. And Shabat Ru'usul Akam is when the peaks of the mountains are covered in snow. So just like that, the peak of the person meaning his head is covered in white. So Washtara What is he? Stating over here, what is he saying? What is Zakariya I'm saying over here? That I am old. I am old. My bones are weak, my body is weak, and I am also visibly, clearly old. In other words, my time is running out. This fire of old age is consuming me. However, even though my body may be old, walam akum. And I am not bidu'aik with your call, Rabbi, O my Lord, shaqiyya, unhappy. I have never been unhappy in asking you, in calling upon you. Meaning every time I have called upon you, O God, you have benefited me. You have responded to me. You have never returned me empty-handed. Every time I've prayed to you, I have asked you for something, you've given me. What is he saying? My body is old, but my hope in you is still young. My hope in you is still alive. My hair is gray. My bones are frail. But my faith in you is not weak at all. It is strong as ever. Why? Because each time I have called upon you, you have answered me. I am not disappointed with you at all. وَلَمْ أَكُمْ بِدُعَائِكَ رَبِّ شَقِيَّةِ Shaqi is from the root letter Sheen Qaf Wow. And Shaqi is used for someone who is unhappy. Someone who is not helped. It's basically when you know someone has become exhausted looking for something and they still haven't found it. 
You know, so for example, you go first thing in the morning on the weekend to the mall looking for a particular kind of jacket. And you go from one store to another, to another, to another. And then you even go to a different mall. And then you go to a different mall. And at the end when you go home, what do you have in your hands? Nothing. So would you call yourself a very lucky, fortunate person? How would you describe yourself? Someone who is? Shaqi. Someone who is unhappy, deprived, disappointed, failure, loser. He says, وَلَمْ أَكُمْ بِدُعَائِكَ رَبِّ شَقِيَّ Oh Lord, I have never been unblessed, unhappy in calling upon you. Zakariya is showing his humble, weak state before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Doesn't Allah already know how weak Zakariya was? He knew. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But this is what dua is about. This is what prayer is about. That you express yourself. You express your state. Your needy state. Because the more you express that, the more mercy you will receive. Think about it. Any human being also. If you want something from them, how is it that you ask? You know, so for example... You didn't find a nice jacket, even though you were at the mall, not one mall, but multiple malls, you didn't find one, and your sister has the one that you really want to wear tonight. What will you say to your sister? I'm taking your jacket, okay? Just one night. Come on, come on, let me take it. That's not what you're going to say. You're going to say, you know what? I went first thing in the morning to the mall. I spent three hours over there. I couldn't find anything. I went to the other mall and still I couldn't find anything. Now I'm so exhausted. Can you please, uh, can you please let me borrow this? When you show your pitiful state, what happens? The one whom you're begging, they have mercy on you. If this is a state with human beings, come on. If this is how we ask human beings, then how is it that we need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Show your needy state before Allah. وَلَمْ أَكُمْ بِدُعَائِكَ رَبِّ شَقِيَّةٍ inni and indeed I, خِفْتُ I fear. الْمَوَالِي Mawali is the plural of the word mawla. And who is mawla? It has many meanings, but over here what it means is heirs, relatives, closest relatives. He says that, Oh Allah, I fear for my successors. My heirs, my relatives. Miwarai from after me, from behind me. Meaning I'm afraid. My time is running out. When I die, when I am gone, what's going to happen to my relatives? What is he saying? What does he mean over here? You see, a prophet of Allah, when he dies, what does he leave behind? What is his inheritance? It's not the money, it's not the wealth. What is it? It's knowledge. That is what is inherited by his nation. Zakaria is saying that when it comes to my people, my nation, I don't see anyone, any individual, who is willing to take on this responsibility of teaching people the religion, of leading them in matters of faith, of guiding them. I don't see anyone who is interested enough in religion or who would give this religion its due right. So I'm afraid that when I die, what's going to happen to this religion? 
what are people going to do? They're going to forget it. They're going to abandon it. So he says, mawali, And I worry for them. Who's going to lead them? Who's going to teach them? وَكَانَتْ And she has been, who has been imra'ati, my wife, عَاقِر عَاقِرَ Baron. My wife has always been barren. Aqir is from the root letters Ain Qafra, and Aqir is used for a person who is infertile, who cannot have children. And if you look at the words, kanat, she has been, meaning always. She's always been like this. Meaning, we've never had any children. Now, in the state of old age, not possible. But, so far, even in our youth, we never had any children. وَكَانَتِ مْرَأَتِي عَاقِرًا فَهَبْلِي So you gift to me. مِنْ لَدُنْكَ From yourself. وَلِيًّا An heir. In other words, I don't know how, but somehow, O oh Allah, you make a way. I want a son, my own child, whom I will teach, whom I will guide, and who will be a future guide for my nation. Because I worry for their religion. I worry for their religion. My wife has always been barren. She's never given birth to any children. I don't know how she can have children. So you make a way. What do you see over here in the dua that Zakariya is making? If an old man, it is said that Zakariya at this point was around 100 years of age. Some say less, some say more. Allahu A'lam. But clearly the description that is given over here shows that he was extremely old. If you see an old lady and an old man weak in their body, making dua, Oh God, grant us children. What would you say? Nothing. You would just smile. Right? Because it seems so illogical. How is it possible? How is it even possible? But Zakaria a.s. What did he say earlier? وَلَمْ أَكُمْ بِدُعَائِكَ رَبِّي شَقِيَّةً Oh Lord, nothing is impossible for you. You are the one who plans everything. You make a plan for me also. Because I want a child not for myself, but for your religion, for your worship, for your service. So you provide. You make a way. Somehow you make a way. يَرِثُنِي he will inherit from me, meaning my son will inherit from me, what? Knowledge. وَيَرِثُ And he will also inherit مِنْ آلِ يَعْقُوبِ From the family of Ya'qub. Family of Ya'qub meaning family of prophets, the Bani Israel. He will also become a prophet like they were prophets. وَجْعَلْهُ And make him Rabbi, my Lord, رَضِيَّ Pleasing, meaning someone who is pleasing to you. That his manners, his actions, his words are such that you will be pleased with him. You will be happy with him. A righteous man, a devout servant, an obedient servant, that you are happy with him. And a servant who is happy with you also. Now we see in these verses that religion, deen, seems to be very important to Zakariya Because he's worried not for the financial situation of the people after him or of his family. But what is he concerned about? Their faith, their religion. 
He wants to preserve their religion. Why? Because if people are emotionally and spiritually stable, then what will happen? They will be stable throughout their lives. Because many circumstances, many things in our lives, they're not within our control. You could have money, you could have a degree, you could have an apparently very secure job, all right? However, things change. And we see how things can change so quickly in today's world. You know, one natural disaster, one angry mob, and that's it. Your whole life's work is ruined. But if you're not satisfied inside, if you're not happy inside, if you don't have faith inside, you cannot continue. Because life is tough. So remember that when faith is preserved, then people are preserved. That is their ultimate protection. That is their ultimate preservation. But if their finances are secured, their other worldly matters are secured, and their faith is not secured, then they are not protected. So Zakariya is concerned about the spiritual well-being of his nation. And this is the reason why he wants a child. Now there is a question. When did Zakariya make this dua? In Surah Al-Imran, we learn that Zakariya being the guardian of Maryam, he went to see Maryam, Mary. And when he went to see her, he found that she had food. Where did that food come from? Out of season, you know, different good-looking food. So he's wondering, where did this come from? So he asked Maryam, Anna laki hada? Where did you get this from? What was her reply? Hada min indillah. This is from Allah. Allah provides whomsoever He wills without measure. So Zakariya right there and then, he made dua. He said, if Allah can give Maryam food, you know, He can send it down, especially for her, then of course He can give me something I want as well. And He made dua right there and then. He made dua right there and then, and what happened? Allah also responded to him. Allah also answered his prayer. He did not disappoint him. So let's listen to the recitation of these verses. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem Bismillahir rahmanir rahim Kaf haya The Prophet ﷺ said, When one of you makes a supplication, meaning when one of you prays for something, 
you ask Allah for something, He should not say, Oh Allah, give me such and such, if you wish, if you want. Rather, the Prophet ﷺ said, He should be firm in asking Allah, and He should have great hope. Because Allah does not think that anything that He gives is too great. Allah can give anything. If you just think about the size of this universe, how huge it is. And what are we compared to that universe? What's our size in ratio? And just think, it's like impossible. We are so tiny, we're so insignificant. And Allah is the creator of this universe. So think about it. What is it that we could ask for? Meaning, our greatest wish even, what could that possibly be? Do you think it would be difficult for Allah to give? No. Nothing at all is difficult for Allah to give. He can give anything. So what matters is our hope, our determination in asking Allah. That, Ya Allah, I want this. I want this. You give me. I don't know how this is going to happen, but you make a way. I want this. I want to go here. I want to do this. You make a way for me. I don't have money. I don't have friends. I don't have support. Whatever it may be. But you make a way for me. And when a person asks Allah with so much determination, with so much hope, then Allah does not like to disappoint His servant. In another hadith we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am as my servant thinks I am. Meaning if you have hope in Allah, then yes, Allah will fulfill that hope of yours. And if you are shaking, if you're in doubt, then yes, that is how you will find Allah. Meaning you will not find your prayers answered. If you're shaky, if you are in doubt. So be determined. Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, keep praying for what it is that you seek. Keep praying, keep asking Allah for that which you seek, for that which you want. Impossibility and possibility are merely concepts of your mind. Meaning, something being possible or something being impossible, that's just in your head. That's just what you think. Because you're so little, you don't have you know, a bird's eye view, right? You have very little experience. So you're thinking about things according to your own experience. They're just concepts of your mind. To Allah, nothing is impossible. To Allah, nothing is impossible. So look at the dua of Zakariya a.s. He's asking Allah for a child. When? When he's extremely old, when his wife is barren, but he's placing all his hope, all his trust, all his faith in Allah. And when a servant does that, is he disappointed? Never. Never.